morning. Welcome to the channel. Welcome to Denver. Right behind me is Union Station. And uh, this is uh, Wine Coop. Wine Coop goes another block and a half, goes down to Rockies Baseball Stadium. I uh, apologize for the music that's playing in the background. That's not my music. That's this restaurant called the Venice uh, Restaurant here at 17 the Wine Coop. They have it turned up as full blast and it's all around the building. You're, there's nowhere within a block you can go and not hear the music. So I apologize to YouTube. There's nothing I can do about that. It's public noise. It's public sound. I'm not in a private situation. This is out on the street of Denver. So that's what the music is. It's not mine. And uh, right down here at 16th Street Mall, there's a free shuttle that goes up and down the 16th Street. And uh, right behind me is all kinds of hotels and conference centers. And uh, uh, this Union Station is where Amtrak comes in. It's where the train comes in from the airport, which is about 20, 25 miles out of town. And uh, this is where I am <laughs> on Friday. First Friday of every month, I'm in Denver, right here in this location. I used to stand across the street, and, uh, but I've been here for probably four years, four, probably four and a half years now. Yeah, because I came here the winter of 2019, so probably probably October, November of 2019, I started coming to Denver. So let's pray. So Lord, I thank you that we can come wherever you send us, and uh, we'll go there by faith, uh, willingly and obediently, loving you, because we want to keep the commandments of uh, your commandments, what you tell us to do, what your requests are. And uh, even if we're called into the ministry, we want to say yes to that calling. Uh, and if I'm, you know, we're called to Denver, we go to Denver. Uh, we go, we're called to Boulder, we go to Boulder. Uh, wherever we're called, Lord, we, uh, that's where we want to go. We don't want to go where we want to go. We want to go where you want to go. That's what you said to, the, to your Father, which is in heaven. Uh, not my will be done, but your will be done. That's what I say also, Lord. Not my will be done, but yours be done. Therefore, I'm here in Denver, Colorado. I thank you, Lord, for touching each person who's hearing me and is watching and being a part of this ministry. Touch them all, Lord. Touch them all. Touch them all. Touch them all. In your holy name, Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, the reason I... Uh, now, it's going to be kind of hard for me to talk with, over this noise, and I apologize because I tried to practice a little bit before I started. And I thought, well, I'm just going to have to do the best I can. As normally, you know, they don't open till like uh, 4 in the afternoon, and it's, all, it's uh, not quite 10.30 yet in the morning. So, uh, you know, it's life, right? I'm on the street. Am I doing okay here on the camera? Something like that. <laughs> um, so not our will be done, but God's will be done in our life. You think about that. A lot of times we will people to, to do things. Like if somebody hurts us in some form or fashion, uh, our will would be for them to be hurt also. And that's called unforgiveness. And when Jesus is on the cross and everybody hurt him tremendously, uh, what did he do? He asked for them to be forgiven. And that's our example. Jesus is our example. And even with Paul, the Apostle Paul, he said he even called himself an example, an example, that you could follow Paul because he's following Christ. And he also forgave those. How about the Stephen, 
one of the ministers, the first seven ministers that was called outside of the apostles. You know, he forgave them too. When they were stoning him to death, he forgave them. It's, you know, forgiveness is what stops a lot of people from living for Christ. For unforgiveness will halt your life in Christ. For unforgiveness will halt a lot of things. In fact, in fact, listen, unforgiveness can shorten your lifespan. That's how serious unforgiveness is. So uh, be forgiving people. Let them go. You know, they killed you. Well, you know, you're not listening to it anyways. If you're, you've received Christ, you'll be in heaven. If you, they killed you and you didn't receive Christ, you're in hell. So, you know, you got to get Jesus. You got to make some sort of decision either for Jesus or against Jesus. But uh, this lukewarm stuff is not good. Not good. The vast majority of people are lukewarm. And uh, that's not going to make it either. No decision is a decision. All you got to do is read the Word of God. Any Bible, actually, I think. Let me set this down. All right. I got my banner right here. I'll lift the banner on the corner here for a little while. Then I move over on by this tree here because the sun kind of comes around and kind of hides for a little bit and then shines down this uh, street here and for the rest of the day, all right? So, uh, praise the Lord. I have kind of a funny testimony this morning. You know, I'd, I've been up since 1.30 this morning. 1.30 this morning I woke up and couldn't go back to sleep. I don't know why I woke up, but uh, I started listening to several preachers, probably a couple, two, three hours of listening to old time preachers I haven't listened to for a long time. One of them I never listened to, first time ever, and he said amazing things. I mean, really caught my attention. I didn't want to stop listening. I could have kept listening. To, I could still keep listening. I'm looking forward to listening to him later on. And he's a partner with uh, uh, the uh, King James Bible Museum down in Phoenix. Uh, I think his name is uh, Howard Yuseth, something like that. Apologize if I messed up your name, man. But he's. In his late 80s, looks like. I don't know how old he is. And, uh, uh, gee, I mean, Gary Roverino, he, uh, he kind of partnered with him. And, and uh, this gentleman, Howard, he uh, has spent the last many, many, many years, decades, collecting old uh, artifacts, Bibles. Not just artifacts, but Bibles. And uh, he's got some of the original uh, King James Bibles. In fact, he has all the King James Bibles from 1611, all the different printings. That guy is brilliant. I mean, it's just amazing. And he went over some stuff that is just mind-boggling in the Word of God. He was a pastor for 17 years down in Texas. He's from Garrison, Texas. And uh, the museum was in Garrison, now it's in Phoenix. I'm looking forward to going there one day. Uh, if you're ever in Phoenix, man, look up. Um, the uh, King James Bible Museum. I think it's in Cave Creek, uh, Arizona, which is a suburb of Phoenix. And you can look at his channel, uh, Above God's Name, I think is, is, is the YouTube channel. Uh, and you can go to the website, King James Bible Museum. Uh, you can find it. I mean, just look around. And uh, your eyes will be open if you want them to be open. Uh, a lot of people just don't get the Bible. I talked about that a couple days ago. I kind of compared the Bible to a pizza. You know, they 
people say uh, any Bible is fine. All Bibles are the same. They're all just fine. No big deal. They're all problem. They're just they're just fine. But when it comes to pizza, oh man, there's there's a good pizza and there's a bad pizza. Not all pizzas are the same. I mean, people are fanatics about their pizza, for example. But when it comes to the Bible, same person. Oh, it doesn't matter. They elevate the pizza above God's name, above the Word of God. And uh, thank God Jesus didn't do that. Jesus says, I lift my word, I magnify my word above all my name. Psalm 138, verse 2. Love that, man. Absolutely love that. Hang on a second. I just, I'm really tired. I'm sorry. I mean, it's 10.30, and I've been up since 1.30. Already did my class, prayed, spent time ministering. Already talked to several people today. I mean, it's just uh, the life of serving the Lord is not always easy and not always convenient. You know, we have to step out of our comfort zone. I think when I was in Colorado Springs here last week or a couple weeks ago, whenever it was, <laughs> all kind of run together, uh, I talked about boxitis. Oh, so many people are in a box. Sometimes that box is not cardboard, it's walls, it's concrete walls, it's brick, it's steel structures that they live in. And, uh, you know, all that type of box, that foundation is not what you think it is. That foundation is not going to hold up when the storm comes. That box that you built, thinking that you're safe and secure, it's not safe and it's not secure. It will fall and probably take you out. So I'd rather have a tent sitting on the rock of Christ than a big, you know, concrete class A building on sand. <laughs> There's a big difference between a, you know, a huge multi, multi hundred million dollar structure sitting on sand versus a hundred dollar tent, nylon tent anchored to the rock of Christ. Big difference. The guy with the tent and the rock, that's Christ, he'll withstand the storm. But the guy in the penthouse of like all these buildings here have residentials condos they're falling they're gonna fall guarantee it all right so uh, God bless you man I hope you're doing all right I mean really I mean I'm talking to a camera but I know I'm talking to you you know I, I you know I, I we all have struggle you know, life is not without struggle. I used to think that problems and struggles and situations were abnormal. And so I beat myself up thinking I'm not normal. I'm not doing it right. I'm not living my life right. But that's not true. Life is full of problems. You'll never get out of problems. You know, sometimes life, you'll have a season where there doesn't seem to be too many situations or problems. But then there are other times in your life that seem like they never end. And then they do end, you know. Sometimes, as you get older, sometimes hard times can last for 10 or 15 years. Yeah. Other times, you know, good times can last 10 or 15 years. I tell you, I've been doing great in the last, you know, 10 plus years. Fantastic. Fantastic. You know, am I, am I naive to think I'm going to live a fantastic life for the rest of my life? Maybe I'm 70 now. I don't know how many years I got. No, I'm not naive. I'm ready to go down back in the valley again. I'm not going to sin, obviously. I'm not going to, but problems come. Problems come. So I'm ready. 
to be instant in season, out of season. Paul talked about that, you know. You have to be ready all the time for problems. And so you have to get your head around, how do I solve problems? Well, as a Christian, there's one, one, only one way to solve a problem. Thank God that's great, huh? Because in the world, they give you a hundred different ways to solve problems. You can go down to the bookstore and find shelf after shelf after shelf of books on how to solve your problems. But it, God bless you, man. God bless you. <laughs> but, in the, but as a Christian, we only have one book and one answer. That makes it great. And that answer will solve any problem you have. And that's Jesus Christ. Now, how do you, how do you get the answer from Jesus? Understand that Jesus right now, this very second as you're listening, is praying for you. He's interceding. He's our mediator between us and the Father. Yeah, that's what he's doing right now. He's praying. Interceding on our behalf to the Father. Isn't that great? What a, what a great husband that is. I'm talking to a Christian. I'm talking to a believer. However, if you're not saved, you're not born again, you can pray too. You can ask Jesus to save you. You know, I pray Jesus if you're real, because I didn't know he's real. How am I supposed to know he's real? Nobody knows he's real. So I said, Jesus, if you're real, here I am. And I was hoping with all my heart that he was real, but I was having troubles. I tried everything to fix my problems, everything. I had problems you wouldn't believe. I don't want to go through all the problems I had, but I had problems that were taking me out, physically taking me out. Serious problems. I mean, serious. And I don't want to go into it. And I tried everything. You name it, I tried it. When I went in the military, I tried to solve all my problems. I thought if I went in the military, I'd solve my problems. <laughs> Pretty stupid, right? But that's what I wanted to do. I didn't realize that the problems would escalate to magnificent proportions. So I tried everything for about first year and a half. Didn't try prayer. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't try prayer. I wouldn't try God. I wouldn't try Jesus. Because I didn't want nothing to do with Christianity. You've heard it probably said many times of me. And I was raised a Catholic. And when I go to Catholic, when I was a Catholic, Catholic priests didn't preach English. They preached Italian. I didn't know a thing that was going on. It was all Italian. It was forbidden for a priest to preach to the congregation who was English to preach in Latin. The Pope said, you're not to do that. It's a forbidden language. Only Latin. I didn't know. I didn't know. And then I'd watch the people. They don't know what was going on either. Nobody knew what was being preached. Nobody read their Bible. And then when they leave church, they get drunk. They beat their wives. They do horrible things. And I thought, there'd be no way I'd be a Christian. If that's being a Christian, count me out. And then I saw another group of Christians that I'd labeled as sissies bunch of pansy little sissies. I just couldn't stand it. I was pretty hard. By, by the time I was 16, I had a big mouth. I was already six foot, 150 pounds to six, 16 years old. I've been working full time since I was about 10 years old, making all my money. My parents didn't buy anything because I was working. And if they said, if you want anything, you got to pay for it yourself. So I went to work. Nine years old, I went to work. All my free time, I was working. 10 years old, I had my own business when I was 10. 11 years, I had a business. 12 years old, I had a business. I had a business. I've always had businesses up till just, you know, 1989 when I sold my last business. Or gave it away, actually. And uh, 
I just saw Christians as, because I was pretty hard, pretty tough. You get kicked out of the house at 16, you got to grow up really fast. You look at your 16-year-old. Can, can your 16-year-old make it in the world and not get caught and thrown into prison or get raped or have a baby and kill their baby and live a life of horrible on the street? I didn't. I still had two years of high school left. I finished my schooling, got my diploma, had a full-time job. In fact, I had two jobs. In fact, I had my own business, had a motorcycle shop. Me and Dave Shelley had our own motorcycle shop from 16 to 18. And went in the military at 18. Got out of high school at 17, started school a year early. And I got in trouble, but not with the law, not that kind of trouble. Let me set this down. So I didn't want to be a Christian. And I look around today, and I think if I was not a Christian, and I looked around at the Christians today, I would probably make the same decision. No way would I be a Christian, unless they saw somebody like me. <laughs> I said, I like that guy. That guy stands for something. That guy's got commitment to come out here. and st I'm actually standing in the street. The curve is over here. I'm two feet off the curve into the street. You got a cone right there. I'm in the street here in Denver. Kind of, a, there's a parking zone right here, but it goes around me here. That's why cars are going so close to me. I'm, I'm in the street, but I like standing here. I was hoping to get the video done before the sun went behind the building there. But, uh, so we all have a story. And you want to be a Christian that somebody like me doesn't look at you and say, there's no way I'd be a Christian. Yeah, because I know a lot of Christians at the church I used to go to who slept around. They slept with other women. Women slept with other guys. It was horrible. I hated it. I thought if I was not a Christian and I saw what was going on here, there'd be no way I'd be a Christian. But you talk to, a, to somebody who believes once saved, always saved. Once I got Jesus, I got my fire insurance. I can do whatever I want. God's forgiven me already. I can sin and it's okay. I'll still go to heaven. You think that way? Man, I tell you, you are walking on dangerous ground, my friend dangerous ground. Jesus says, go and sin no more to one lady. To another guy, he said, sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The Bible says there's no fornicators in heaven. There's no adulterers in heaven. There's no thieves, no liars in heaven, no drunkards in heaven. Is that what you're doing as a Christian? Getting drunk on Friday night? This is Friday night. You want to get drunk and go out with your girlfriend and go to bed tonight? How about you married Christians? I said that in class today. I'm shocked that I even said that. You married Christians. You're going to go to bed with your, your secretary tonight? To tell, call your wife and say, I'm out of town, honey. I'm working out of town. And you're with your secretary as a Christian? You might be a Christian. She's not. And she's making decisions, should I receive Christ? And she sees you in her life, she says, no way I'd be a Christian. That's a, such a two-faced religion. Because what your testimony, your testimony is filthy, it's dirty. So you gotta be holy, man. Jesus said, God himself said, be holy as I am holy. I think that's what the Bible says. Be holy, be separate, come away from the world. Quit living in the world. Quit looking like the world talking like the world, dressing like the world, cutting your hair like the world, living like the world. You know, 
What's, what's that old phrase goes? It looks like a duck, smells like, you know, waddle. I mean, if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it must be a duck. That type of silliness. That's how people are. They smoke their dope as Christians. They do their vaping. They do their alcohol. They do all their junk. And they think it's all okay. They don't realize they're hurting somebody else's chance and opportunity to receive Christ. Because you would have hurt my testimony. That's why I don't want to become a Christian. Because people like that. Ain't no way, man. No way would I be a Christian. Not in a zillion years. That's why I tried everything but Jesus. That was my last resort. And I said, all right, I'm going to have to try Jesus. So I said, Jesus, if you're real, here I am. And I praise God. Jesus Christ is real. He's not fake. He's not phony. It's not some other. But my life completely changed. And all my problems at that moment were solved. I was a drug addict, and I got set free, and I got clean, and I've been clean for 50 years. Clean. I've had ups and downs, mostly in the first few three years before I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then I had the power to say no to the devil, no to sin. My life just took off. And over as I was going up, I had ups and downs, but I kept going upwards until I hit a, a wall, a barrier. Back in, I don't know, when was it? Sometime early 90s, maybe late 80s. It must have been 90, 91, 92. I can't remember exactly, somewhere around, around there, early 90s. And my faith for three years, I remember three years that went flat. My faith went flat. My ministry just came to a screeching halt. I couldn't, couldn't figure out what was going on. I prayed for three years asking the Lord, what's going on? Why is my faith so like flatlined, like dead? My faith was like, it felt dead. And I was trying to serve the Lord. I was trying to do things. I was doing everything I used to do. Still doing my prayer, writing my prayers out and uh, all that kind of stuff I do today. And I prayed and prayed and prayed. God didn't answer me. It took three years before God answered me, but I didn't give up. The Bible says if you believe it, receive it. You believe what you're praying, believe that you can receive it, and you're gonna have it, man. Doesn't tell you how long, but you gotta hang on. You gotta hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Three years, that's a long time to be praying. I must have prayed that every week at least. I don't know if it's every day, maybe several times during the week. And I remember very clearly, I was coming into Portland on the backside of Portland, came over Mount Hood, coming into the backside of Portland. I was gonna make a delivery at Charlie's Produce there in Portland, Oregon. And I had a early morning delivery of some sort, I can't remember, and I was very early to my appointment and they won't take you in. At this time, they weren't taking early appointments. And I remember pulling my rig over, walking across the highway to a cafe that was open early in the morning. It was dark. And I uh, went in there and sat in the front of the window, went by the window and ordered some breakfast. And I was looking, I had my Bible with me, <laughs> witnessing to the waitress. <laughs> witnessing to the waitress. And I was looking across the highway to my truck. And I was looking at the highway, across the highway to my truck, had my marker lights on and uh, looking at the rig. And I prayed, Lord, I prayed one more time. I said, Lord, what's, what's wrong with my faith? What's going on? Why is my faith flatlined? I've said that prayer for three years. And as I was looking at my rig, I heard the word Lord say this. Ready? What about the Bible you were reading? I said, Lord, did I hear you right? What about the Bible 
I am reading. I remember looking at the rig out the window, sitting at the cafe, looking out the window to my rig, and I heard the Lord say, what about the Bible you are reading? He didn't answer me. I said, what, what, what do you mean by that? I don't know what that meant. And it probably took another, I don't know, couple years. <laughs> it was a long time of trying to figure out what he meant by what about the Bible. Until one day, I don't know how it happened. This part I don't remember at all. Uh, one day I was just inside and I made a decision to go out and buy me a King James Bible. I've never owned a King James Bible till 2014. Never owned a King James Bible. 2014. See, I don't know my dates exactly. See, there's a lot of fuzziness in there. I had another Bible. Not this 2014. I remember, I had the Bible at home. The King James Bible, it says 2014. That's how I, that's why I remember 2014. Anyways, I don't know the dates. Anyways, the story is still the still story. Dates might be off. And uh, I don't know how I got the Bible. I don't know how, I, oh, I know how. Let me take that back. I know how I got the Bible. Uh, on my phone, because by that time we had cellular phones, and I had the, I've been listening to Alexander Scorby read me the King James in the truck for years and years and years and years and years and years. I went through all my cassette tapes. I went through several editions of cassette tapes because they stretch and they get all twisted up and bent up in the truck because it's really, and they all beat up. And I listened to all the cassette tapes for years and years and years and years. Never owned a Bible though, never owned a King James. And then uh, we had cassette, uh, no, CDs, CDs. And then I went through several cases of CDs because they get all scratched up and they skip around, all kinds of mess. I point up here because that's where the C that's where the player was in our truck. And uh, and then I got the app on the phone. So it was over a course of several years. That's what I'm talking about, several years. And uh, and I was, I was sitting at my table at home, and I was looking at the app, the Alexander Scorby app that I have on my phone, still to this day. And I was looking at it, and I saw in there it had uh, videos. I said, videos, huh? I wonder what those are. And so I clicked on it, and it took me to YouTube, and it had a series, it doesn't have it anymore, but it had a series of videos on the King James Bible. First time in my entire life I listened to anybody talk about why the King James Bible. And... Uh, so I listened to it. It just shocked me. And they talked about the King. Remember, I didn't own a King James at that point. I was listening to the video. I, had, I listened to it, but that was all. I just listened to it because I just liked the way he read. I liked the way he read because I didn't like At that time, a lot of people were listening to dramatized readings. And I didn't like that. And uh, I didn't want some movie star reading me the Bible. There's a lot of movie stars that read the Bible. I didn't like all that. And, uh, but I liked Alexander. And I don't know how I got those tapes either. I don't know how all this came about. God brought all this into my life, and I don't know. I still can't figure it out to this day. I have tried and tried and tried to figure out how, how all this came to my life, and I have no clue. Until I was sitting down at the table and watching those videos on, on why the, the King James. And it, baffled, it just surprised me to no end. Because the Lord asked me a few years earlier, what about the Bible you're reading? What about the Bible you're reading? I think that's what he said. What about the Bible you're reading? I was an NIV preacher, NIV, New International Version. 
1978 edition. And so I went, I went down to the bookstore, the Bible bookstore there in Redding, California. That's where I'm living. Not now, I'm not. And I went down there and I bought me a hard, little cheap $8 King James Bible. First time ever. And I bought me another set of CDs because mine and the truck were wore out. So I bought another set of CDs by Alexander Scorby and a blue King James Bible. <laughs> First time ever. And uh, I bought that, brought it home. I didn't like it there much because it was too hard to open. And so as I was reading these, uh, listening to these videos, over some time the next, that, those days, uh, I went to local church Bible publishers. I don't how, how that came to me, I don't know that either. And uh, I bought me uh, a King James, uh, you know, Bible. Still got it today. And uh, I started reading that. And the moment I started not listening, because I've been listening to it for years and years and years, probably 25 years, listening to Alexander Scrubby read me the Bible. Since early 80s, been listening to him. This is 2014, so that's a long time. But when I started reading it, and re I mean really reading it, my life changed. My life changed. And my life just took off. No longer was my faith flat. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And the King James Bible is the Word of God. The NIV, New International Version, is not in any way, shape, or form the Word of God. It is the man's God. It is man's Bible. This is God's Bible. And I don't care what you say. You can talk all you want, and you can say everything you want. I don't really care. You can make your own decisions. But a lot of people poo-poo that idea. They give me all kinds of nasty comments because the King James Bible stirs up the religious spirits. Anyways, uh, my life took, and it has not stopped since 2014. This is 20, that's 10 years. Yeah, about 10 years. I've been in the King James reading it now for 10 years. And my life is totally, completely different. My ministry is different. My walk in Christ is different. My faith is different. Uh, it's, and I'm still going up. My faith is still increasing. Everything is still growing in my life, all based on the King James. Now, that's why I tell people, take this 2024 and set those other Bibles that you've been reading aside. Put them in the closet, put them out in the garage, and get a King James Bible and read that for this year. And just dedicate it. I'm going to read that King James. Let me see what happens. Your life will change. If you wanted to, if you don't want it to, and you're just going to read it by as a critic, and you're going to tear it apart as you're reading, there, I read it. No big deal. Throw in the trash. And your life's not going to change. Your life changes by believing, not by doing something. By believing. That's how you get saved. <laughs> Sun's going across the world. By believing. All right. So let me. Let's kind of go through this scripture. I talked about that. So let me pray real quick. So Lord, I thank you that uh, I had a chance to talk about the Bible. I don't know why I'm talking about the Bible so much lately, but apparently it's important. And so I thank you, Lord, that it is important in your name, Jesus. All right. So let's go to Acts, uh, Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, and let's go to verse 9. And now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which is bring forth not good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. Okay? 
casting the fire. Remember, I'm on the street, so it's noisy, okay? And it's getting cold. As soon as that sun goes down, it gets cold. I kind of wait till this guy leaves. He's waiting for people to move. I guess he's trying to figure out where to go. <laughs> anyway, let's keep going here. All right, and now every tree, every tree that doesn't bear fruit, it's gonna be cut down. A tree is a person. People are likened unto trees in the King James. <laughs> All right, so uh, every tree. So are you bearing good fruit? A lot of people twist that verse up and say, oh, the good fruit is salvation in Jesus. Well, that's one fruit, yeah. That's the beginning of your life with good fruit. You know, all right. Let's keep on going here. And verse 10, and the people asked him, asking John the Baptist, John Baptist, saying, what shall we do then? Because he was given some hard teaching. What shall we do? That's a good question to ask. What should we do? What are you going to do? All right. What shall we do? He answered and said unto them, He that hath two coats, let him do, do. I don't want to read all this. I, there's, there's three types of people. I think I preached this on Sunday too. There's three times the question was asked, What shall we do? That's, that's a, the, uh, the Bible says out of two or three witnesses, two or three witnesses, let everything be established. Okay? So it's established that you must ask the question. Maybe that's why I prayed, Jesus, if you're real, here I am. It was a question. <laughs> I asked the Lord a question, and he proved, he gave me the answer. All right, so let's go on down to 15 here. All right, and as the people were in expectation, all men mused in their hearts of John, John the Baptist, whether he were the Christ. All right, so they're wondering by all the things that are going on. I don't know why they were expecting the Messiah, but they were. A lot of people today aren't expecting him. I mean, even, I mean, there are, you know, a lot of Christians are expecting, a lot of Christians are not expecting. I don't know. In Jesus' time, why didn't they receive Christ? They said, he's not the Christ. And here they are saying, is he the Christ? I mean, it's really interesting, right? All right, let's just jump down a little bit. Uh, let's just keep going here. Uh, not or not. Uh, verse 16, John answered and said unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water. So he's going to answer them. I'm going to baptize with water because I'm going to prepare the way of the Lord into your life. All right? It's kind of what street preachers do. Baptize with water. But one mightier than I cometh the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. He, and you go back, that's Christ, the Christ, Christ of God, Christ the Father, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Man, that sun goes down, it gets cold. All right. So people argue about baptism. Is baptism sprinkling? Is it a drop? Is it, a, it's, you know, and of course, every, everyone has a different definition, except for, you know, many of us. We know that baptism means complete immersion in the water. Completely going under. That signifies the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ in our lives. Okay? So that's the same way with the Holy Ghost. You know, it's not a just, 
it's it's baptism it says right there I don't know why people don't get this baptize baptize you with the Holy Ghost not baptized with water baptized with the Holy Ghost baptized the word baptize you go to Mark 16 15 he that believes and is baptized shall be saved That's interesting. I mean, you read the rest of the verse. But he that believeth not shall be damned. So baptism is not is important, but it's not critical to getting saved. A lot of Pentecostal preachers say, if you're not baptized with the Holy Ghost, you won't be saved. That's not true. That's not true. What is true is you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There are Christians who are not baptized with the Holy Ghost, who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're going to heaven. No doubt about it. But Jesus says, I've come to give you life. That's receiving him as life. But I've also come to give you life and life more abundantly. That's the Holy Ghost. Because when you have the Holy Ghost, when you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have more life. When I, before I got saved, I mean, before I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I was, had life. I knew if I died, I'd go to heaven. No question about it in my mind. I was heaven bound. But I didn't have the more life. I didn't have the more abundant life. But when I was baptized with the Holy Ghost, I received the more, the more abundant life and life more. John 10, 10, for the second half. All right? Now you can just say that is foolishness, that is stupid talk. Now when, if you said that and you thought that, you're really speaking against the Holy Ghost. Because Jesus said, I'm going to go back to the Father. Because if I don't go back, the Father won't send the promise, which is the Comforter, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is God. Is God. Holy Ghost is not some it, not some bird flying around. The Holy Ghost is God. You're baptized with God. 1 John 5, 7. There's the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. That's God. That's the Godhead. You can do whatever you want, man. You can cut a third of God out of your life and say, I don't need that third of God. Really? Just telling you like it is. Shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Then you go into here, verse 17. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather the wheat into his garner. But the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. Verse 18, and many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. Let's go down to 21. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized, praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove unto him. And a voice came from heaven and said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. Jesus was the first Holy Ghost. Jesus was the first Holy Ghost. I mean, no. I mean, hang on a second. Got to wash my gear over there because people want to take my stuff. Anyways. So Jesus was the first to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Because Jesus is the Son of Man. 
He left his heavenly estate. He left the throne, came to earth. Mother, Mary is his mother. All right, so we're going to talk uh, all next week and for the rest of the year on fire. We're not going to talk too much about the Holy Ghost. We're going to talk on fire. But I wanted to highlight these verses here so you can read Luke 3, 1 through 21 and kind of get that down. And uh, if that's of interest to you, if not, that's fine. I don't care. But that's what the Holy Ghost wanted me to preach on. So that's why we preached on We finished it today. And tomorrow I'm not going to preach. Tomorrow's my day off. That's my Sabbath rest. And when I write the Sunday prayer letter tomorrow, I'll, we'll, we'll pick out, we'll, Holy Ghost will show me what verses he wants to put in to the Sunday prayer letter. And uh, if the Lord will, and if I'm able to do it, uh, we're gonna do a Sunday morning, uh, Sunday prayer letter session, kind of like the class, but a little different. And I'm gonna read the Sunday prayer letter online. So people have the Sunday prayer letter, because for some reason, people don't wanna give the email address to us to, so we can send out the, the Sunday prayer letter. I've told hundreds and hundreds of people and no one still wants to sign up for the Sunday prayer letter. So I thought, well, how else can I get the Sunday prayer letter to them? I'll, because I used to do a podcast of it, then I did videos of it and I gave up because all that's really hard. But since I've got everything set up for our uh, true study classes, it would be pretty simple for me to just to sit down and read the letter online. So well, I'm going to try that on Sunday if that works and kind of practice. So I don't know if I'm going to keep doing it, but I'm going to practice it on Sunday. God willing. <laughs> hope I can do it. All right. So let's pray. So, Lord, I thank you that we can live a life in you. I'm sorry about the music, Lord, but there's nothing I can do about that. I'm on the street. I'm a street preacher, preaching out of the King James Bible, the Word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah for the Word of God. Lord. Open people's eyes so they can see the truth. They can see the lie and the truth. There's only one Bible, not a hundred different Bibles. Only one in English. And all those in other languages, those are come out of the King James. Not those who come out of all that other garbage. I thank you, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you open people's eyes and ears and heart to understand. And I apologize, Lord, that I'm kind of disjointed here because this music really bothers me a lot. It's so ungodly, as far as I'm concerned, and it bothers me because they can spread this music all over the place, but if I preach out loud, people get mad at me. So we'll just see what happens. We thank you, Lord Jesus. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen and amen. All right? <laughs> That's it. God bless you, man. I love you very much. Take care.